Hi, everybody. Welcome to Working Change. My name is Nate Christensen. And I'm Marla Christensen, I guess. Yeah, you guess? All right. <laughs> I guess. Uh, today's our three-year anniversary, so... Happy anniversary. Maybe I should, I should figure out if everything's okay if you guess. Wasn't every day a guess? <laughs> Um, no, I'm happy to be married to you. Oh, happy thanks. anniversary. Sweetie. Thank you. Happy anniversary. <laughs> um, so I am an associate professional clinical counselor uh, mm-hmm. with a master's degree in uh, clinical counseling. And you are finishing up what you're about halfway through. I am almost halfway through my master's degree in clinical psychology, which with an emphasis in marriage family therapy. Nice. So. The plan is to get my LMFT or my licensed marriage family therapist in a couple of years. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So Marla and I are essentially putting together these podcasts that it relate as much as possible to mental health. Yeah. And, and some of these things that we talk about relate to things that we've experienced. Some mm-hmm. of these things talk about things that, uh, at least in my case, like I, I currently treat um, trends and things like that that we see kind of nationally or in the area. So ultimately, our podcast is is all things mental health, but maybe more specifically um, things that will benefit as many people as possible, which brings us to today's topic of anxiety. <laughs> I'm anxious about this. <laughs> You're, yeah, I'm having anxiety about talking about anxiety. Uh, and isn't that how anxiety works? <laughs> yeah, anxiety is a little bugger. Well, you know, but it's interesting. Anxiety also... It's necessary. Yes. And so, why is it necessary, Nate? Because it sure is a big pain in the butt. <laughs> it can be. It can be. So anxiety is one of those things that is kind of natural to the brain. Like the brain uses it as a, hey, I need you need to do this to survive. And sometimes it'll give you uncomfortable emotion in order to get you to go, go do something you may not want to necessarily do. So when I have to publicly speak or take a test, my brain is telling me, you don't want to do this. <laughs> you want to survive. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get criticized. You don't want to get told how you did a bad job or, or whatever or not. Mm-hmm. So just don't do it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, so ultimately, healthy anxiety would be <clears throat> some anxiety or discomfort that we feel around something that we don't want to do. But it's probably good for us. In many cases, it's good for us. And so it pushes us, it drives us to do that difficult thing. Right. So, well, I mean, we need anxiety. <laughs> I, it, you know, putting the silliness aside, you know, if, if you walk through life without anxiety, you would get into a lot of trouble, probably. I mean, if you think about it, that's the anxiety that like prevents you from picking up that rattlesnake when right. you see it for the first time. You know, that curiosity would kick in and you'd be like, whoa. Right. And you might find yourself dead. So, you know, anxiety is like, hey, slow down. Be cautious. Think about this. You know, threat assessment, threat assessment. Okay, you can go now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so that brings up an excellent point, which is anxiety is multifaceted. So on one hand, it can push us to do things that we maybe don't want to do, but that we need to do for survival that are good for us. And on the other hand, it lets us know, hey, that particular thing is a bad idea. Right. So it's something that we need. So I think that if we think about like anxiety of like, oh, I want to get rid of this completely, that wouldn't be a great thing. Right. We need to keep anxiety intact. It's when it becomes excessive that it becomes an issue yes. in our lives. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, there's a there's a series of disorders that fall under anxiety disorders. So yeah. within 
within the field of mental health, um, there are, are multiple different psychiatric conditions that are classified as anxiety disorders. Right. How many are there now? Is there five? They oh, made some quite changes. A bit. They made some, cha- well, they made some <laughs> so, changes recently. Like, it's not recently in the, in the last, in DSM-5. I'll just name a couple. Right. There used to be in the DSM-4, I think they had obsessive compulsive disorder, which was OCD. They, they did. And um, post-traumatic stress disorder lumped into the anxiety because there right. is an anxiety component to mm-hmm. those two. But they've since in the DSM-5 removed made them. No, from, they haven't removed them. but <laughs> Removed them from the anxiety umbrella. Right. And then they put them in their own mm-hmm. section. So right. like OCD would have its own section. And then another couple other things that fall under kind of like an obsessive compulsive type issue. And then um, post-traumatic stress disorder with other things that kind of mirror that are in their own section. So in the anxiety section, mm-hmm. you would have generalized anxiety disorder. Okay. You'd have panic disorder. You would have social anxiety disorder. You would have specific phobias, um, agoraphobia, which is interesting all by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, separation anxiety and selective mutism, which I think people are like, what? <laughs> but that is an anxiety issue too. Okay. Gotcha. And we're going to specifically. And there's, well, I'm sorry. There's the med- medication type too. There's always like a medication or a substance use anxiety issue. Cause yeah. we'll talk about later. Medications can really cause anxiety. Right. And, and in, in those cases, the clinician, if they were evaluating someone for anxiety is supposed to make the call as to whether or not a substance is causing that, or if it's, if it's an actual disorder, uh, that's inherent to what's going on with the person internally, right. not necessarily other chemicals that they're introducing into their body. So that's eight. Right okay. There. Eight so. is where eight is the magic number. Yeah. Eight anxiety disorders in the, uh, I use the term DSM five. It's the diagnostic statistical manual fifth edition. <laughs> well, that's a list I came up with. So I'll have to okay. look at exactly if the DSM has a couple more, but I think that those are the main okay. ones. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and like I said, generalized anxiety is what our focus is going to be on yeah. today. That's yeah. going to be our our. There's there's a lot of information on all of these, and and for anyone that's listened to our podcast before, we try to keep these relatively short, mm-hmm. like thirty ish or less minutes if possible. So, but hey, if you hear take- about one of these topics and you're like, Ooh, what is that? Drop us a line. Yeah, let us know. Let us know. You can email us at workingchangecoaching at gmail.com right. if, if you have some questions about some things. And it's good for us, too, because we don't necessarily always know what people want to hear. Um, so anytime we get to prepare a podcast, you know, we certainly learn more, too. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, this is going to be kind of a higher level, in most cases, higher level look at anxiety. So we're not right. going to de- de- like dig too deeply into the... The details, uh, there are a few areas that I thought might be helpful to discuss. Um, I got I to back up real quick. Oh, okay. Sorry. Why is anxiety important? Like, why would we talk about this? You know, I found a statistic, your statistic. Well, so. a lot of people have anxiety disorders. <laughs> well, that's the statistic yeah. I'm bringing to you. Mm-hmm. About 40 million adults, 18 and up, okay, suffer with some sort of anxiety. Mm-hmm. One of these categories every year. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of people it running is. around with anxiety. Is the one of the most common illnesses in the United States too, mental health illnesses. Mm-hmm. So it is important yeah. to understand. Okay, back to you. Sorry. All right, thank you. <laughs> no, that was that's really good information. It's it's more than likely if if a person that's listening doesn't have or doesn't feel like they have an anxiety disorder, they probably know several people that do. Right. So it's it's a relatively common phenomenon. They say like about one in five. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah. you're standing in a room with 20 people, four people have it. Yeah. If I did my math right. <laughs> Your math sounds right to awesome. me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I thought a good place to start with generalized anxiety disorder is what does it look like? Mm-hmm. So you've experienced anxiety. Mm-hmm. I've experienced anxiety. I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder in my early 20s, 22-ish. Right. So so I've I've dealt with it for most of my life. I remember feeling very strong anxiety as a kid. So I suspect that I probably have had it much longer than that. Um, ultimately, I came up with a few, a few things what what I felt anxiety looked like. And okay. and and in looking at at some of the literature, I see these same things. So I I feel pretty comfortable with with this list and there might be a few more that you might want to add. So primarily to me, it's a it's about constant worrying. It's like excessive stress over relatively common struggles in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. So it could be like money or health or family or work. So any of these things that that people generally have worries or concerns over, it becomes a constant worry. Like you well, can't get out of like you, you don't know how to stop worrying about these things. And the interesting thing is, is it's not the same thing. Like, so I've lived with you now for three years, mm-hmm. um, and it's almost like I wake up and I'm like, what flavor is going to hit today? Right? Is it money today? Is it stress over something else? Mm-hmm. Is it the work? Is it the kids? Is it is it something? I don't know. It just yeah. it it attaches to whatever it decides that yeah. day. And so it's really interesting <laughs> to live with because I don't know, you know, cuz sometimes when you you live with someone who's anxious, you kind of just avoid that that part, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about why that's not a good idea, but right. um with this you don't know what it does. There's just it's all over. Right, and that and that's what makes it generalized. Right. And we'll talk a little bit more about like what's happening with that in in a few minutes because it's important to understand what's going on with our brain because if we can figure out what's going on with our brain that might help us stop like put a stop to it. Mm-hmm. Um and you just like the brain stuff. I do. I love the brain <laughs> stuff. I do. Yeah. All right. So, okay. Um so symptoms could include Trouble concentrating, restlessness, Mm -hmm. fatigue, trouble sleeping, nausea, irritability, sweating, and muscle aches. And there's more than that, but those are the ones that Dry mouth, heart palpitations, Mm -hmm. um, not being able to stay calm. (laughs) Right, yeah. Just being agitated. Tense muscles. Like, Mm -hmm. you're always like, oh, I'm so tense. Rub that out. Rub that out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And and I I wanted to... to say something specific about irritability so irritability could have many could have many different forms right like like we can be irritable with ourselves, and we can be irritable with other people but i think it's important in in my opinion um because i've heard people say oh you know people that are depressed can be aggressive mm-hmm. and in my opinion it's the anxiety that's driving that Mm-hmm. So we were looking at a statistic earlier. I might be throwing this out at the wrong time, but um, I think it was the statistic I read was somewhere in the range of 40 to 98% of people with generalized anxiety disorder also have major depressive disorder. That's crazy. 
So that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's, so they're very highly correlated with, with one another. It's probably fair to say you have at least a 50-50 chance of having major right. depressive disorder I would say if that, you have yeah. generalized anxiety disorder. Well, they feed on one another. As right. what we've seen with you. Right. Mm-hmm. So when when the anxiety is overwhelming and I'm struggling to do things, then next thing you know, the depression is creeping. Well, in. you're not doing anything. Right. Not. <laughs> and then when you don't do anything, you get depressed that you're not doing anything. Right. And, and then you get anxious that you're not doing anything mm-hmm. and you're depressed about it and it just feeds. Right, right. It's, yeah. a, it's a nasty kind of downward spiral. And, and ultimately, in my opinion, um, depression has to be managed. Yeah. If you're not doing anything, you're not managing the depression. And if you don't manage... Your your mental illness, your mental illness is going to manage you, and it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. Um, so that that's why it's important to constantly be doing things. So so this brings us to like, okay, what is going on? Like, why are people struggling with these things? And the literature indicates there's there's a few issues that's that that seems to be related to what the malfunction is. I don't even know if it's a malfunction. It's ooh, just ooh, can I guess risk faster? Risk factors, like if I can talk, risk factors. Of I'm gonna guess them. of the causes. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I would say genes, definitely it's hereditary. Mm-hmm. Like you've got a list of it. Yes, I would say childhood trauma. That's yes, that's common. Um, so like your ACEs scores or adverse childhood experiences, if it's higher, you're gonna have issues with that. Mm-hmm. I would say negative life experiences. Okay, yeah, which kind of is the same as trauma, but not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say, like, if you, even if you're just shy as a child, like maybe that's an indicator that you might be struggling with anxiety and struggle with that later in life. It certainly could be. I mean, what we're not talking about today, which is even more common, is social anxiety disorder. Yeah. So a lot of people experience social anxiety, and and they don't really know how to relate to other people. So I would say, like, I'm born with a gene, I have maybe a chemical imbalance, or I've had some experience. So Mm -hmm. a lot of nature nurture here. Yeah, yeah. So, am I right? You are right. Yeah, you nailed a lot of that. So let's go ahead and talk about really like the two main areas that seem to be related to generalized anxiety and anxiety generally. So one is called the amygdala. Hmm. So, and, and it's weird because we call it the amygdala, but there are two. Yeah, there are two. We have (laughs) hemispheres. So we have two hemispheres on our, in our brain. So we have a amygdala. We have an amygdala on each side. Um, but we'll just talk about it as if there's just one. Okay. So the amygdala is, is fascinating because it really regulates fear. Mm-hmm. So the amygdala is is like, I don't know, what, what's the, what's a good example of something in the world that's like paranoid? <laughs> what? I'm trying to think, I you know, <laughs> this is what I get for, for like thinking on the spot. So... So the amygdala is kind. Of, I'm kind of like almost envisioning like like a and and paranoid isn't the right word. Like a traffic cop, it's like you know, okay, stop, hold on, you can't do that. Like like it's a lot of don't do that, don't do this, or you're gonna get yourself in trouble. It's kind of like the risk manager of your brain. Okay, but it's very based in fear. The mommy teacher. <laughs> I, I don't even know. Don't do that. Stop. Stop. Yeah. We're gonna go over here. We're gonna yeah. do this first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Um and. And so it's it's a fear it's a mechanism that's based in fear but but fear is important. Yeah. Like again, this is related to survival and yeah. things like that. 
the amygdala is responsible for putting us into fight or flight. Sends right. signals throughout the brain, which will ultimately release uh, cortisol. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll also release uh, adrenaline, and it'll it, it'll it's basically communicating at that point. I'm in danger, and it's Do something. time to to run yeah. away or to fight, or in some cases even freeze. freeze, which is. <laughs> Probably the <laughs> best way to not survive, but that's one of well, the hey, things that Well, hey, if happens. you can hide, <laughs> right. why not? <laughs> yeah. So ultimately, um, and, and that's true. If there's a large animal, sometimes <laughs> playing dead is the best, it's the best, best approach. Yes. Um, Blending in. <laughs> yeah. So so the amygdala is, is related to, again, to fear. It's also related to aggression. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, how is fear and aggression connected? And and I think the best way to consider it is is you've probably heard this like the most dangerous animal is a cornered or injured mm-hmm. animal, mm-hmm. and and that's kind of what that means at that point. It's it's fight or flight survival. I'm cornered, and so aggression comes out. Right. And well, you- we've talked about <clears throat> attachment styles. We've mm-hmm. had a couple podcasts on that, and we talked about how anxious people are usually the aggressive person in that relationship right they are very much like cornered like i i need this now i'm you're I'm, they're demanding I'm, i want it now and i'm gonna do it by being aggressive right like stop yelling at me and telling me i'm the worst when right. someone's like hey i like my eggs with the the yolk popped right you know and that feels like massive criticism and that's threatening our 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 existence and when your anxiety is really high you have this this kind of mm-hmm. overreactive say amygdala and and we talk about just a minute why that is. So so we have our amygdala and then we have our prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is the newest part of our brain, newest being the the uh least <laughs> developed. So right. if you go back far enough in time, uh you will find a very thriving amygdala and a tiny a, tiny yeah, a less <laughs> thriving uh prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is where we make plans. It's our logical center, it's our reasoning center. It's our executive functioning. Yes it is. Yes it is. Now, here is something that's important. Our amygdala, which is related to emotion, so our emotional systems work faster than our reasoning systems, which means you're going to feel anxiety before you know what's going on in many cases. So that's where generalized anxiety becomes a problem because you feel anxiety, you have this this anxious response, this fearful response, and you don't know if it's realistic or valid or mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and an example of this might be you're hiking, you see a stick on the ground, it looks maybe a little bit like a snake, and you have an immediate response to jump backwards. Right. So that is your your body's survival mechanism. Your amygdala is involved in that process. But now you're slower working, but more reasonable, reasonable and rational prefrontal cortex starts looking at this, and then it says, oh, that's a stick. You're okay. You're okay. Yeah. Well, for the person that has generalized anxiety, once you recognize that's a stick your brain is still looking for the snake. Right. It's like, oh, but there has to be a snake around right. here somewhere. I, you know. Right, right. Yeah. You don't, I'm going to look and it, I'm just going to stop here and I'm not mm-hmm. going to go any further because there is a snake somewhere. Right. It doesn't I just show know off. It. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that that's kind of what, what we see going on there. Yeah. Um, so what causes that? Um, you mentioned some of the causes. One of the things that you talked about was genetics. Mm-hmm. So there there is an allele. Uh, alleles 
are are in our genes and they basically make determinations on things like eye color and hair color and things like that. So they're kind of different variants. Right. And so one particular variant of an allele is related to serotonin transport. And serotonin is one of those neurotransmitters mm-hmm. related to let's just say happiness. That's at a real right. real high level. That's not really I mean there's a lot of other things that it that it does. And so ultimately people that are born with that seem to be that's that seems to relate with a more active amygdala. So right. when, when people that have that allele are shown faces that are fearful or angry, they're more likely to feel a stronger response from their amygdala. They also tend to have weaker connections or fewer connections between the um, cingulate cortex um, and, um, and and the prefrontal cortex as well. So prefrontal cortex is the, hey, everything's okay right. part of the brain. So you have the amygdala, which is... Holy crap, everything, you know, is on fire. Right. Like run away or, you know, fight the fire. Then you have the prefrontal cortex, which can evaluate everything at a slower speed and be like, oh, no, everything's okay. Mm-hmm. And it can kind of console that part of the brain. And then the amygdala can kind of be like, okay, you know, fire alarm off and, and can go back into chill mode. So people with generalized anxiety have a hard time going back into chill mode. So the because those connections are not as strong, right? Right. Okay. And what's seen is people that take medication and people that go to therapy. Um, actually, over time, brain scans show that those connections will strengthen. So their their prefrontal cortex will have more control over over what's going on with the amygdala and say, "Hey, it's okay." Relax. So it can be a practiced okay. thing. Mm-hmm. We can practice not, you know, stopping those anxious thoughts, right, and things like that, right? Okay, right. So that brings us to what can we do? So how do we regulate our anxiety? And Ta-da! Any, any what thoughts? <laughs> what do you so think? I, you've, I, seen, you've seen some things with me, so I'm curious. I want to start off. What do you think? So I would say the first thing is to learn. Learn about your anxiety. Yeah. Knowledge you know? is power. I mean, power. even with your generalized anxiety, you still have your favorite things that you like. To like have, be anxious about, right? The you thing know? you commonly become anxious right. about, money. And so there are people. things that like you you can just learn more about and learn mm-hmm. that those are kind of more your up here kind of favorite triggers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say get therapy and stick to it. Like learn about it, learn how to manage it, um, learn some techniques on how to grow those connections and mm-hmm. those pathways. Um, they suggest that you cut caffeine out. I know for people that drink coffee and whatever, your chocolate and things like that, caffeine is a, like a stimulant and it is going to actually increase the the anxious thoughts. Right. And we saw that with me when I was diagnosed with ADHD and they yeah. put me on Ritalin. My anxiety was still pretty out of control. Right. And because it, Ritalin is a stimulant. And right. so your anxiety went through the roof. Yeah. And yeah. Not, not good. It was, it was rough. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing would be like alcohol and other substance over the count, you know, mm-hmm. just make sure you know how those drugs are interacting. If they're stimulants or if they have side effects of causing anxiety, you might want to think about whether or not you want to put it in your body. Talk to your doctor about that. So there's an interesting thing with alcohol. Alcohol generally works to kind of suppress your prefrontal cortex. Your prefrontal cortex is the thing that kind of suppresses your amygdala. So you yeah. can see if you have like a, like a haywire amygdala, like turning the brakes off of, you know, 
of of the amygdala is functioning right. might make might definitely could see how that could make someone more not a anxious. good idea yeah. yeah yeah so the other one would be like what we always say diet mm-hmm. and exercise mm-hmm. and sleep mm-hmm. those three things are like your friend i notice with you when you are eating better when you're sleeping better and when you get like even just a daily walk you are so much better with your anxiety. Yeah. It comes down. Yeah. Even doing one of the three, it comes down. But doing all three, it's like a magic pill. Right. You know, it, it's great. So those things do not overlook those those three things. Yeah. Um, they suggested to be like learning to relax. So like maybe meditation, mindfulness. They suggested journaling. Sometimes when you're anxious and you're like trying to go to bed and you're super like just going crazy, writing it down will help you release it. Mm -hmm. And then you can just put it to bed and you can go to bed. Right. Sometimes people have a fear they're going to forget something important and and then something terrible is going to happen because they forgot to do it. When we got married, like I'm like the list queen. My kids Mm -hmm. will tell you that they're like, mom makes so many lists. She's crazy. And you would laugh at me. You were like, what is up with these lists? And, you know, and I had alarms. Like I probably had 50 different alarms on my phone. You're like, why do you have so many alarms? Because <laughs> I would set alarms for my kids mm-hmm. and different things that I had to remember. But for me, it like it, I could let go of the fact that now I didn't have to remember that. Right. And now I have a ton of alarms. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're on to the dark side with me. Um, the other things would be like to manage your negative thoughts. If you can, that's kind of like a mindfulness and a meditation along the same vein. Just understanding that like your negative thoughts can drive you. Um, to some pretty like anxious places. Yeah. Uh, and then it talked about friends. And <laughs> this one can be a little bit hard for people that are anxious, you know, but being and having friends is a good thing. Being social is a good thing. Um, with that, you find support, you find a support system too. Yep. So super helpful. It's one of those kind of quote unquote necessary evils to an anxious person, you know. Well, and you can see how someone with generalized anxiety, um, may not have as much fear around people, but someone with social anxiety oh, disorder, yeah. that's probably a, a big challenge. Yeah. But I, I do think that there's an important concept. I think is an important concept. I talk a lot with my clients about it, which is whenever anything stressful hits us, like we're kind of, we're the first person that we're going to, you know, evaluate whether or not I have the skills and the means and everything to overcome this this challenge. Right. After that is our support structure, which is family and friend and close yeah, friends. Yeah. How many times do you call somebody up and you're like, hey, well, maybe you guys don't do this, but girls do. They're like, <laughs> hey, I'm going to do this. What do you think about this? You know? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's totally great. And you're like, woohoo. You're like totally empowered and emboldened. And you're like, I'm ready to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. And if you call them and they're like, what? What do you? What? I don't Whoa. think that's a very good idea. You know, you're like, okay, never mind. And you, <laughs> you totally think of something different. Mm-hmm. So yes, you your support system does matter. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So I love all of that. I think ultimately, like, if there was one thing that really that really stands out when it comes to anxiety, it's approaching that thing that's causing you anxiety. Yeah. So if it's people, if it's so, I have to go to the haunted house. Um, <laughs> well, okay. So, so that's a good point. If your if your anxiety is picking up rattlesnakes, please don't go pick up a rattlesnake. Be careful in the danger that you do. Right. Yeah. So, so I'm not, I, I, I should be very careful here. I'm not saying go do something that's dangerous. Right. That what I'm saying is if it's not a dangerous thing and you need to do it, you know, if you need to talk to your boss about the fact 
you know, that you're struggling and you need help, but you're dealing with shame around that because you're like, ah, like I, I feel like I should be able to do this. I've been able to do this in the past. Why can't I do this now? Um, so I'll give you an example. Like public speaking is hard for me. Okay. I've been doing it since I was little, mm-hmm. but every time I do it, I'm like, oh my gosh, am I, can I be sick today? Oh yeah, I think I'm sick today. Uh, I don't feel good. I don't really want to do this. I didn't prepare this much, even though I've like prepared for hours or whatever or not. And every excuse comes up and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do it. But I know, and I've done it enough to know that like the hardest part is that first section of whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Once you can get over it, you kind of like regulate and it kind of comes down. Right. And so, and doing it more and more makes it easier. Like the first time I did it, we won't even go there. The story of my like sixth grade um, country report, bad news. It gets better. You learn from it. And right. then you don't make the same mistakes and that anxiety comes down. So young Marla, her anxiety about public speaking was way higher than like older Marla that like still gets nervous. I'm always going to be nervous about it. But I, you know, the years of experiencing it have, have brought that down and managed it. Yes. Experience matters when it comes to anxiety. The more experience you have in any particular thing, often the less anxiety people will have. But it'll never be comfortable. And I think that's what people need to realize. Like that part of my amygdala is always just going to tell me, this is bad news. Walk away, sister. You know, like, don't do it. Very badly. (laughs) Yeah. So, so being, you know, giving, empowering that part of our brain. Right. That, that is the breaks, that is the reasonable, that is like, hey, you know what? You can do this. That is really, to me, a big key and maybe the key to managing anxiety. We all have anxiety. It's mm-hmm. not going to go away. I mean, I guess it could go away. Some people have damage to their amygdala and they stop feeling fear, which is So I want to back up just a l- really quick, okay. Anya, because I gave an example just now, and it is a specific anxiety example. That would be a specific anxiety, not a generalized. Like a a specific phobia. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, you know, I would, I would say that generalized anxiety, it's, it's harder to manage and like doing like the eating, the sleeping, the whatever not. And then just realizing you have to do those things when that anxiety arises, you pushing through it. Like you said, if it's not a dangerous thing is, is a good idea. Right. So in this case, if we were if we were using you for an example of of generalized anxiety, mm-hmm. you would have high anxiety, and then you would be asked to speak, and your anxiety would attach to that. Right. And then when you were done speaking, the anxiety wouldn't necessarily go, go away. away. You'd find something else to, right. to attach the anxiety to, which is you know, oh, I have to go to class tomorrow. Oh, I have to go to work tomorrow. Oh, oh my bills to- due, and I didn't pay it. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. any number of things, and so that's it's kind of like this anxiety that's bouncing from right. from thing to thing to thing, which is essentially just an over, uh, an overactive amygdala. Cortisol is probably high in our body, and adrenaline is probably high in our body, so we're feeling like just stressed constantly. Mm-hmm. So we have to be able to learn to shut down our amygdala. Uh, one thing I I failed to mention which i also think is helpful is deep breathing um slow deep breathing kind of it it doesn't kind of it communicates to our body that everything's okay so that can be kind of a it's almost like a like when you jump start your car mm-hmm. um it can kind of jump start your body and reset some things and some people feel like they get a lot of relief from that so so that's also another thing that people can try okay did we leave anything out did we get everything well, <laughs> I guess I we left something out. <laughs> I did want to say that anxiety is very prevalent in children. 
like I always have to bring the kids into this, but one in four children will between the ages of 13 and 18 will suffer from this. Mm -hmm. So please be on the lookout for your little ones and your teenagers. Anxiety is a really like brutal thing for that age group Mm -hmm. and helping them learn that when they do those hard things, it gets better is, is an important thing because they can miss out on a lot of really important developmental things while they struggle with anxiety. Right. And you want them to open up and you want them to talk about their Mm -hmm. anxiety and they, and they oftentimes, and it's not just them. I mean, I see it in my adult clients too. They have shame around the fact that they feel anxious about something because they feel like they shouldn't. Right. It's silly. Yeah. Why would I think this? Yeah. So, and along those lines, women are twice as likely to get diagnosed with an anxiety disorder than men as men. So, um, you know, look to the women in your life, you know, ask them how they're doing. See if they're feeling a lot of stress. So, Yep, that's it. I just, all right, we just got had to bring all. the little ones in. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. I hope that was helpful. If you have, Again, if you have any questions, feel free to email us at workingchangecoaching at gmail.com, and we'll see you next time.